Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grim Scenarios, an ECG podcast being hosted by myself, Milk, and my co-host, Emma. Say hello, Emma. Hey, how's it going, friends? Uh, what are you up to? How's your Wednesday going? We hope you're we're not live. So yeah, we don't we're not know exactly what. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we figured this would be a good way to like spread the difference of time zones and when to do it. If it's a bad time for you, please let us know. We'll maybe think of a different time. Yeah, we might come back with some live ones of these. We just thought we'd start off nice and relaxed, nice and easy, and uh, you know, give this a try. Emma, you want to talk a little bit about what we were kind of kind of getting getting going with here? What what's our plan for Grim Scenarios? Yeah, so Grim Scenarios uh, started as sort of on. It might have actually started with someone saying the title. Or one of us saying the title. I don't know. We were, Milk and I have been talking about Star Engine and ECG podcast that focused on Blood on the Clock Tower. And we were trying to think of something that we could do that was different. We know there's some great Blood on the Clock Tower podcasts out there already. Off Meta did, of course, their character ranking one, which, you know, we could have redone that. We would have disagreed vociferously with a ton of their ranks. We definitely would have disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it would have been interesting, but they've already done that. Like Alejo and Navian, they, was, they do a script writing project podcast on a weekly basis where like they talk about scripts they talk about iterating scripts they talk about all that and milk and i both love scripts and we could have done that too but we'd just be doing the exact same thing they did uh andrew nathanson of course has cold of the clock tower which goes super in depth on individual characters each episode focuses on just one character what you do with that character and all that stuff we want to do something we, different <laughs> yeah so one of the things you know when milk and i have been co-storytelling together during Steve's absences and for Steve's absences when we've been streaming together. One of the things we've enjoyed, and I think it's, we've gotten really positive feedback both from Twitch chat and from YouTube comments, is like our strategic dissection of what players are doing during the game. And this is sort of a chance for us to do more of a strategic dissection thing when it's not like... Sometimes when you're like talking about what a player is doing in the game, you don't want to be like, I really dislike what they person did because that's means feels mean spirited yeah um where in this case uh what we're going to do is uh, is we're going to build scenarios for each other we're going to assign each other a role one of us will have the complete grim the other one of us will just have a partial grim including lies that's right things that aren't true um and then we'll debate on what the best thing to do is from that situation um and yeah. you know it's okay for me and milk to call each other stupid that's right. And say our, and say our ideas okay. are bad <laughs> and that our strategies don't work. We won't use those words, but we'll imply it. And we'll imply it will be okay. That's right. Uh, uh, so, so, let me show the, so let me show the folks the setup here. So this is the this is our setup. Hello, here, here we are. You can see us now. Hello, we're up here in the corner where we belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so what we've got is we've just got the, the Grim tool open. And uh, I've put in a few characters here uh, for the first setup. Now, I have a complete Grim of what this whole Grim uh, is, what what everyone is uh, on this Grim. Um, but Emma doesn't, and Emma's only going to have the information that I provide to her based on claims that she has received as a player in this game. And then we'll talk and kind of talk through the scenario, and eventually, of course, we'll, we'll reveal what's actually going on in the Grim. Um, but we thought for this first episode we'd start off with some simple trouble brewing situations because these are the kind of situations everybody finds themselves in situations that deal with you know um what are your bluffs what are you bluffing what are people claiming to you what do people you know what do people want you to believe 
Uh, and so we thought we'd start with some 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 simple TB, don't you think, Emma? I think that's the best way to go. Absolutely, nothing ever simpler than trouble brewing. That's right. Never have never oh, never had an unsolvable game of trouble brewing in any way, shape, or form. The joke is all trouble brewings are unsolvable. That's absolutely true. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a give you a setup here, Emma, uh, and you can kind of add it into your your side of the grim here, and then we'll kind of kind of work through it. So uh, you are the imp. I thought mm -hmm. a, I thought a nice starting imp game for you would be would be a good place to begin. Uh, you're in seat eight. Okay. Your bluffs are investigator, monk, love it, and saint. Ew, <laughs> gross! <laughs> I can't believe you did this to me on our very first episode. Because my strategic point argument is going to be never bluff saint. <laughs> never bluff saint. Uh, your neighbor in seat seven is your minion, mm -hmm. and is the scarlet woman. Perfect. Uh, the player in seat 12 is your other minion. You did not speak to them today. So I don't know what they are yet. You don't know what they are yet. So they could be... So, yeah, uh, when I don't know what my minion is yet, I just still mark them as a minion in my personal grim, just so I have remind remind myself who they are. So I'll just park this person as the Baron for now. All right. Maybe they're the Poisoner. Maybe they're the Spy. The player in seat 11 is dead because they nominated the player in seat six, who is the virgin. Okay. The player in seat five claimed Slayer and shot the player in seat nine. So they claimed Slayer and shot seat nine. Correct. But I don't know if that's real. Correct. The player in seat three has claimed to be the investigator uh, with a ping on the player in seat two and seat four. So that ping is wrong if it's real. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the player in seat one has claimed hard claimed fortune teller publicly. Hard claimed fortune teller publicly. Cool. It is night two uh, following the virgin execution and uh, you have to make your kill. It's time for you to pick who you're going to kill. Uh, did I give uh, seat seven a bluff yesterday? Did you give seat seven a bluff? Uh, yes, you can have given seat seven any of the bluffs that you want. So I gave them Saint, probably. Okay, great. I'm going to assume that's the one I would give, because it's the one I would want my Star Scarlet Woman bluffing more often than another, any other minion. Why, uh, um, why Why? that specifically for the Scarlet Woman? Yeah, uh, sure. So <laughs> people have a reluctance to kill Saints, um, and the Scarlet Woman is the minion you want to survive. Uh you know, there are situations where your Scarlet Woman stops becoming useful, your Poisoner is more useful, and you'd wish your Poisoner had survived, but you want your Scarlet Woman not being executed, and you want them to be in a position where you guys can be in conflict. Um, so, I'm not taking the Saint bluff, because I don't bluff Saint. It's completely reasonable to bluff Saint. It's not the end of the... It's not, like, a strategic thing. I just don't like the play pattern of saying, oh, you can't kill me, I'm the Saint. Like, it doesn't strike me as a... It doesn't Bring me joy. <laughs> and in this case, it's more um, useful for you to give it to the Scarlet Woman anyway, in case you die. Yeah, so this way, it gives an option for the Scarlet Woman to take this bluff, because most people don't have this feeling, this, like, personal hang-up of a bluff in Saint that I do. Um, so it's a strong bluff for a Scarlet Woman. It's a strong bluff that's going to keep them alive. If people want to kill me, it keeps the Scarlet Woman alive. So, interesting. So, ooh. I realize you gave me Investigator Bluff and Seat 3 claimed to be the Investigator. That's true. Interesting. What do you think about that? 
Um, <laughs> what I think about this is I have probably spoken a little bit in this game with what is one of my favorite tones to try to read people in, which is demon upset that someone is double claiming their bluff tone. <laughs> because if you give me investigator monk saint, I guarantee you I took the investigator bluff. I would probably also, to be honest. Um, one of the reasons why um, uh, an imp especially can take a an expendable role as a bluff is because you can always star pass, right? And in TB, always. you got a one in four chance of having a Scarlet, or you got a 50-50 chance, basically. Well, you know, whatever, one in four chance Yeah, this sort of you have a 50-50. It depends yeah. on, you know, the minion count, obviously. It goes from 25 to 75%, depending on minion count. And this minion count, it's 50-50. Yep. Uh, now, the question is, in my fake investigator paintings, did I put seat 12 in it? I'm not putting seat 7 in my investigator paintings, but I may have put seat 12. Why would you do that? Why would you put the um, actual minion in your investigator pick? Two reasons. One, if I become outed evil, people might just dis will disregard my investigator pings and maybe think the minion's good. Two, okay. if they become an outed evil, people might say, "Oh wait, she had them she dead to rights in her investigator pick. She's probably good." Nice. So. You know, you don't. I don't like putting the Scarlet Woman necessarily in there if I can avoid it because, again, I want her alive. But if it's a Baron, it's a Poisoner, if it's a Spy, I love putting those guys in Investigator Pings. So let's. I know Seat Seven Seat Scarlet Woman. I probably put Seat Twelve in a fake Investigator. Okay, Seat Twelve. Which is now frustrating me because Seat Three is also in an Investigator. You play an Investigator. What do you suppose that Seat Three is up to? Uh, my guess is Seat Three is either the Empath or the Fortune Teller. Interesting. Why would uh, um, why would you why would you think that? Because fortune tellers have this weird thing where they like to check their neighbors and as if they were an empath. And empaths and fortune tellers who have checked their neighbors frequently mis try to disguise themselves as the expendable investigator. Sounds good. To avoid letting the demon know. So when someone comes up to me and says, "I have an investigator paying on my neighbors." My first thought is that's an empath, or that's a scarlet, or or that's a fortune teller who has checked their neighbors. Is there anything else you think you can infer from that? Uh, my guess is either C two or C four is the recluse. Okay, it's a pretty pretty reasonable guess, I think, given that you think that they're the empath or the fortune teller. Yeah. C three. Um, the other option, of course, is that C three is the drunk. Also um, possible. Not to meta the storyteller too heavily, but I received an outsider bluff on a twelve player count. This tells me there's a drunk in the game. That seems highly likely. It's not impossible. It could be the storyteller saying, hey, you should fake a Baron game and there's no drunk. But normally, when the storyteller gives you an outsider bluff on base two, what it means is there's a drunk. You can hide the drunk by claiming outsider. Especially on Trouble Brewing, right? Especially in Trouble Brewing. But even on other scripts, when you have an outsider bluff, it means a hidden outsider is in play. That sounds pretty Generally. Cool. That's not always. Not always. Sometimes storytellers will just give it because it's what's available. Sometimes they'll give it to create confusion. But a lot of the time it's because a hidden outsider is in play. So my assumption, meddling the storyteller here, is that I was given the same bluff because the drunk is in play. And either the recluse or the butler is. And you suspect that there's a recluse in play because of what's going on with uh, C3. C3. Yeah. What do you think? I suspect Sorry. either C2 or C4. Did Seat 11 make any sort of public claim before they nominated the Virgin? No, they didn't make any sort of public claim at all. Um, so you're not sure what's going on with them. 
Who but they, but they immediately, they immediately, they did immediately nominate the Virgin at the beginning of nominations. Who else did I talk to besides at seven? Uh, you talked to uh, seat three and got the investigator claim. Okay. Uh, you also talked to seat one, and uh, you talked to seat ten. Seat ten was quite cagey about providing any information. Okay, interesting caginess. <sighs> Caginess is interesting. I would say it's a player that is that is usually fairly forthcoming with their information, um, but was a bit cagey about um, about what they had. Okay, interesting. So that suggests either a fortune teller with a ping on me who doesn't want me to know, an undertaker who's scared and doesn't want me to know. Possibly someone who wants me to think they're one of those things, such as a raven keeper or a soldier. All right. So that's the four things I have for seat ten. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is going on with seat one? Just hard claiming fortune teller loudly. It depends on the player. If it's me, I'm probably the fortune teller. Exciting. Uh, if it's someone else, they're probably the raven keeper or the soldier. Imagine that it was our good friend Sabanite. <laughs> it was our good friend Sabanite. It's hard for me to imagine Sam Knight ever claiming a role <laughs> publicly and boldly. So we might want to try someone else. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe someone else is a better choice. So if it's Sam Knight, it's just he's just the amnesiac, right? Or the savant or something. You know? yeah, he it's something that's not something on the like script. That publicly and boldly. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a pretty good read, right? Like a fortune teller that's claiming loudly is probably a Ravenkeeper or a soldier. I mean, it depends on the player. Sometimes it's just the fortune teller. Sometimes it's um, just the fortune teller. So, like, one of the artificial limits of this is a lot of this game obviously comes down to social reading. Sure. And with social reading... Oh, we've lost Emma for a moment here. That's all right. I'll just vamp. Yeah, what Emma was going to say was uh, with social reads, um, a lot of times it's going to depend not just on how a person says something, how a person is communicating with you specifically, right? But um, the times that are, that are past that you've communicated with them, you know, previous times you've interacted with them. You know, you, you have sort of, you build relationships over time in this game. But if it's a cold read with a brand new player you've never talked to, you know, your social reads are always going to be based on how forthcoming they seem with their information, right? How quickly they're trying to get out uh, out info, whether they're saying something that you think is believable or not, right? That's all going to be in either your audio or your visual or your interpersonal cues. We lost you for a second, yeah. Emma, but you're back. Yeah, yeah, no. So don't know what happened there. I was logged in from the app all of a sudden. <laughs> Everything's fine, everybody. Technical Everything difficulties is are fine. standard. Yeah, we don't know if this will be cut or not. Hopefully this will be cut, but I don't know if we're going to do that level of editing. Yeah, well, probably not the first one, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> anyway, uh, we were talking about seat one. <laughs> talking about talking about seat one, who is claiming to be the fortune teller publicly in town. Yeah, so my personal hope is that they're the Raven Keeper. The, the problem for me is if they're the Raven Keeper, I want to kill them. If they're the fortune teller, I have no interest in killing them. Would you explain a little bit more about that? Because I think you and I have similar views on Raven Keepers, especially early in the game, especially in TB. Um, and uh, I don't know that everybody really would necessarily agree with us that it's important to kill Raven Keepers early in the game sometimes. Sure. There's several reasons I have for wanting to kill a Raven Keeper early. One, the earlier I kill a Raven Keeper, the more likely they are to not pick me. Um, just a matter of numbers, right? They're going to pick a living. It's player. It's just a matter of numbers. They're going to they're going to pick a living player, 
And if there's 11 players alive, that's 10 players who aren't me they might want to pick. If there's two, pl three players alive, that's two players who aren't me they might want to that's pick. That's right. And it's, in, you know, confirming the suspicious townsfolk is almost as bad as them picking me and seeing it. So, like, I really don't want to be in a situation where the person I have to kill on four is the Raven Keeper. Because if I have to kill the Raven Keeper on four, whoever they look at is going to suck for me. It's going to be brutal. In Whereas addition, if I kill them, sorry, go ahead. If I kill them on eleven, cool. Like most of the time, they're going to see someone. In addition, when you do this and you kill the Raven Keeper early, ninety percent of the time, they're going to think that they were poison killed. Exactly. They're going to think it's a spy game. They're going to think that was they were poison killed, and they're going to not trust their information. And getting and, a, you know, and getting a town to fall into spy land is the best feeling in the entire world exactly. for an evil team. And. You know the worst thing? The worst thing that can happen is they see a good player. They confirm that information. They trust that player the rest of the game. I have to kill that good player later, too. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'm going to have to kill a bunch of good players who town trusts and are good. Those are going to be the people I'm going to be prioritizing for night kills. So, like, if it's not them, the Ravenkeeper, who's seen someone and be forming a trust bond and convincing bringing town on board, it's going to be someone else for some other reason who's fully trusted. Don't feel and afraid to kill into a raven keeper i think is a really really good lesson to walk away yeah. from just from this conversation don't be afraid of people who are claiming fortune teller out loud kill them and like the the issue the issue is is there's like players who agree with me on this and players who disagree with me on this and you in players might meta that if you're the raven keepers dying night one it's a player like you so that's the that's the one tipping point that's the deep. That's playing? the deep meta. That's the like you've played a hundred games, two hundred games yeah. with someone, and you like they do this all the time. They don't care. Like, is this a group that's going to know? Oh, the Raven Keeper was immediately killed. That's probably Emma. It might be. Might if be. it is, it, that might happen. But if it's not, <laughs> if it's like at a convention, if it's at a, if it's like at a convention, it's a group game. It's um, playing with people on a public server somewhere where I where I don't know them super well. The Ravenkeeper is high on my kill list priority. It's perhaps the single townsfolk I most want to kill is the Ravenkeeper. So with seat one, loud, loudly proclaiming they're the fortune teller, that's a Ravenkeeper red flag. So they're on my top priorities for killing. The other player on my top priorities for killing is seat nine. And why seat nine? Seat nine was Slayer Shot. And why is We don't know problem? if this is a real claim. We don't know if it's a fake claim. But with seat nine being Slayer Shot, that means they are not the demon, assuming it's true. Fair enough. And people who aren't the demon need to die. What do you think about <laughs> like, what do you think about the player in seat five who made the claim? Uh I'm I that's a little bit tougher. Like people anyone can claim Slayer. So they could be an evil player, bluffing sailor player. We want to that. That's less of a priority. Okay. The player who is slayer shot. If a player who's slayer shot is alive, and people aren't, and people trust the slayer, it's again, it's a red flag that something's up there. And I don't want red flags that something's up. I want people who are slayer shot and survive to be dead. So seat nine's a priority. Seat one's a priority, and of course seat six is a priority. 
Yeah, well, and of course we have to get the Virgin out of here at some point, but there's not really a rush to kill the Virgin off at this point, right? I mean, the Virgin's confirmed good. They're going to collect a whole bunch of information from townsfolk, but ultimately there's no hurry at this point. There's other abilities that take priority as long as you can get them out of here, you know, relatively soon. Yeah, and again, this is something your mileage may vary on. My, again, my thought here is at this early stage of the game, I probably don't have a good read on who people are trusting, who people think are good, who people think are evil, who people think might be a demon candidate three days from now. But I know one person they're not going to think is a demon candidate, and that's the Virgin. So while it's true, the Virgin isn't going to have any more ongoing mechanical impact on the game, they're not going to learn any new information from the storyteller, they're going to collect a bunch of information from townsfolk, living or dead, as long, if I kill seed six, I know that I'm not killing someone who I wished I could have framed if I had left them alive. That's a really good point, right? That's not a frame. That's not a person that's probably ever going to get sussed as a minion, right? It's just a person who you can get rid of when it's convenient. Yeah. So six, nine, and one are the three people I'm considering killing. Okay. There's a fourth person I'm considering killing, but the problem is I don't know who they are. And that's the reckless or the butler. Right. I have a lead on who might be the reckless or the butler. But I don't know who they are. And why is it important to kill an outsider in a 12-player uh, Grim of Trouble Brewing? I mean, maybe the outsider could appear to be, you know, appear to be evil at some point in the game based on, based on you know, other players' information. You know, the fortune teller could ping them, the empath could ping them. But why is it important? I, I mean, we both know. I'm just asking the question so you can answer it. Uh, why is it important to kill off uh, a, a, a recluse or a butler in this situation? Uh, yeah, and the answer is again, as the there's two types of kills in a game of Trouble Brewing, or any game of Blood on the Clock. There's kills the demon makes and kills town makes. Town tries to kill people who might be the demon. The demon has to kill people who aren't the demon. So as the demon, you want to get off the board anyone who you don't think town is ever going to execute. So, and why would again, an outsider be confirmable? Because outsiders are confirmed to count. So that's right. Especially if my Scarlet Woman doesn't feel like bluffing Saint, I gave them the bluff. Maybe they didn't want it. Maybe they had already claimed Chef. Yep. Like maybe we're just not going to end up using that Saint bluff. I don't know how that's going yet, but I do know if it comes down to it where there's only one public outsider claim and it's the recluse or the butler, that person's never the demon. That's which right. means I have to kill them in the night. Town's not going to do it for me, and that's a kill you. Or town don't, shouldn't do it for me, and that's a kill you don't want to have to make later. That's a kill you want to try to get out of the way early, because once exactly. once once that starts becoming confirmed, it's going to be really hard for uh for you to kind of waste a kill on them. Exactly. So we now sit down here, and we have to make the choice: Am I trying to hit a Raven Keeper on seat one? Am I trying to kill that Virgin on seat six? Am I trying to kill that Slayer shot on seat nine? Am I willing to trust my instinct that seat two or seat four is the recluse? I'm going to kill seat one. I'm hoping they're the Raven Keeper. That's the highest priority kill. All right, everybody. Emma has chosen to kill seat one uh, on night two. Her first kill of the game is, in fact, the Raven Keeper bluffing fortune teller. Very nice, Emma. Very, very nice. Yeah, uh, you had it mostly correct. Uh, the player in seat two is the fortune teller. The player in seat three is the empath reading a recluse in seat four. 
The player in seat five is just the mayor uh, who decided to claim Slayer as a bit of a, you know, whatever fun having thing. Uh, seat six is, of course, your virgin. Seat seven is your scarlet woman bluffing saint. Seat eight is you. Seat nine is the actual Slayer. So, in fact, if you had killed seat nine, you would have gotten a Slayer off the board. Seat ten is the drunk chef who was feeling a little bit odd about their information of uh, receiving a two. Uh... Seat 11 uh, is the dead librarian, who was, in fact, uh, confirming the recluse. And seat 12 is your poisoner. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good grim read off of very little information, uh, Emma. That's very impressive. Yeah, no, it's... You just, you, you get a feel for these as games go on. Yeah. I, I am a little annoyed I got the 9 and 5 confused, but on the other hand, if I had actually killed the actual slave on mistake, that would have been pretty exciting too. And uh, hitting and hitting 5 wasn't bad for you either, because it's just bouncing the kill off the mayor, which could have killed anything useful. Could have killed the chef, the drunk chef, could have killed, you know, recluse, mm -hmm. could have killed a lot of things. Yeah. You read right through the in, uh, investigator bluff. Of course, you did have investigator in your information, but I thought, I, I thought, I'd, give you, I thought I'd give you that one. That seems like a, like a reasonable one. I think you probably would have found it even if not. That's fascinating. Uh, yeah, let's cool. see if I could. Let's see if I could do half as well. <laughs> well, the the setup I have is a little is gonna be a little bit less grim reading, as we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Well, I was. I just. I knew you could do it. So. <laughs> uh, why don't we? Uh, should I throw to the splash screen? Maybe I should just like, yeah, throw, throw to the, to the splash screen for a second. Screen. Okay, everybody, we're gonna throw to the splash screen and uh, and uh, have a drink of water, and we'll be back with you in a moment. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, so Emma is going to present me with a scenario here, uh, and we're going to kind of go through another little, another little bit of trouble brewing. So uh, Emma, take it away. Okay, Milk. Uh, much like in your scenario, I'm making you the bad, big bad. I'm making you the imp. Exciting. You're sat in seat three. I am in seat three, and I am the imp. All right. The bluffs I gave you last night were investigator, undertaker, and mayor. Investigator, undertaker, mayor. Got it. Uh, you have in seat five, one of your minions, and seat one, the other one of your minions. All right, I've got a minion in seat five and a minion in seat one. 
with those buffs, what do you, what minions do you think you have? Uh, there's uh, so um, there's almost certainly going to be a spy in play. Um, the Undertaker bluff is very hard to pull off without there being a spy in play and without being able to sell yourself as the drunk. Of course, we don't know the outsider count here, right? Um, we don't know if we have a Baron yet. Um, if there is a drunk in play already, there could be there, there might be only a single other outsider. So um, certainly uh, the Undertaker bluff is going to hopefully come with a with a spy um, in one of those two seats. The okay. the other minion uh, can can be any of the others with the mayor and investigator bluff. Scarlet Woman, uh, like uh, like with Saint, as we talked about in the previous Grim, um, Scarlet Woman can carry mayor a bit um, later into the game, um, but it could just as easily be a Baron or a Poisoner at this point. Okay. All right, so I, you're woken up on day one. Mm -hmm. You immediately get two requests to talk. One is from your minion in seat one. The other one is from seat four. Which one are you taking? Um, I'll take... I'll take seat one uh, in the hope that I'm getting to talk to my spy right away. I wouldn't no necessarily always go for... Um, talking to a minion very first thing on the first day, but um, a spy, because they can register as good, is less problematic for me in this world to just go ahead and talk to first. Getting that information fast is pretty important. Um, obviously, uh, if I have a meta with someone where I always talk to them first, uh, I would certainly go and have that conversation first because having any other conversation first would be extremely suspicious. So if you are in that kind of nemesis kind of relationship, folks, do always make sure you talk to them first because they will suss you out if you don't talk to them. All right, so you go and talk to seat one. I'll talk to seat one. All right, seat one, you get to there and seat one says, all right, let me quickly give you the groom so we don't talk so long. Great. All right. The seat two is the recluse. Seat two is the recluse. Cool. Uh, seat four is the drunk who thinks they're the empath. The drunk empath. That's exciting. I love a drunk empath. Uh, seat five is the baron. The baron. Cool. Seat six is the virgin. Virgin. Interesting. Okay. Seat seven is the ravenkeeper red herring. Ravenkeeper and the red herring. That's exciting. Oh, I don't have the red herring yet. Okay, here we go. Go ahead. Seat eight is the fortune teller. The fortune teller. Cool. Uh, seat nine is the washerwoman who saw me as a townsfolk against the drunk empath uh okay so the spy is a townsfolk i don't have washerwoman oh over here uh spy is a townsfolk pinged against the drunk empath and both uh, probably seen empath then cool uh seat 11 is the butler uh sorry they i had seat you. nine i had seat nine oh sorry seat 10 is the saint seat 10 is the saint seat 11 is the butler who picked me seat 12 is the saint Where's the Slayer? Slayer. C12, C12 is the Slayer. Slayer. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. That was a very helpful getting of the getting of the Grim immediately. Okay. Uh, they ask you what you're bluffing. Uh, I'm going to take... So, in this specific situation with no Scarlet Woman, um, I have to think about a couple of things. The first thing I have to think about is what role can reliably be in the final three because if i'm going to take undertaker and seem like a good role here i need to manage to get to the end of the game and still be in play so it means i can't use the imps star pass ability necessarily um, it's worth thinking about taking undertaker though because i can always kill myself off at some point and pass it over to another to another minion in this case probably the baron taking mayor i would imagine 
Um, so I'll probably take Undertaker with the Grim at this point. Um, I can stay alive for a while with that bluff um, in general, unless the town starts to suss that it's a spy world, in which case I'll probably have to start pass. The spy says, great, I think I'll go off script and take Librarian then and put a drunk between the Slayer and the Fortune Teller. That seems like a really good that? idea. Yeah, no, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with a drunk between the Slayer and the Fortune Teller. Um, it might make the spy look yeah, it, that's that's totally fine. It might make the spy look really evil if I get Slayer shot, but if I get Slayer shot, the game's over anyway, so who cares, right? <laughs> yeah. The spy will look very evil when you get yeah. Slayer and we shot. can hide the drunk and we can hide the drunk pin. Yeah. So that the spy says that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I would I would also hand I would probably hand the Baron the investigator bluff um, in the hopes that we can kill off the Baron at some point to um, to give the empath reads on other players further down okay. further down the road i know i'm eventually going to have to kill off that virgin at some point and so there's or you know hypothetically um and so there's no no reason not to potentially give the baron something that can be killed off and be expendable i think we may be talking too long when they leave the conversation very well all right you go back to town i'll try to catch c4 um, of course <laughs> c4 is gone they've gone off and talked to someone bad. in town now is seat 10 seat 6 and seat 2 which one do you want to talk to? Oh, we're going to talk to, uh, let's talk to seat six. For sure. You go and talk to seat six. Uh, what, where you want, why do you want to talk to the Virgin? Uh, I want to talk to the Virgin for a couple of reasons. First of all, if they're going to be an out, like an open Virgin, I want to have this conversation fairly early because if they're going to be looking for people to nominate them, since I'm going with a bluff that's not very expendable, I want to get this conversation in so that I can imply that I am not going to be the one looking to nominate them. Uh, basically to try to start building trust with the, with the Virgin. Uh, I'm going to need to come back to this conversation later because as an undertaker, if the Virgin actually does get, uh, does get uh, nominated by uh, townsfolk and causes an execution, then I'm gonna I'm gonna need to give them information that they're gonna believe basically. So I need to I need to be able to have a rapport with that player already. This is entirely social. There's no mechanical reason for me to have this conversation. Um, however, if I want to set up an outsider later as potentially being evil, um, I probably won't do that in this game because the spy is giving a drunk ping. But in theory, if I wanted to later set up an outsider as being evil, I don't really want to be connected with them. All right, so you have that conversation with Seed Six. Mm -hmm. uh, they're playing open virgin. Playing open virgin. I encourage them to go find someone that's not me to kill them, to, to get a kill on. <laughs> All right, you get back to town square. Seed Eleven immediately requests a chat with you. Okay, yeah, let's go. Uh, they tell you that they've picked you. Oh, they tell me that they're the butler and that they picked me? Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, I will uh, tell them that I will vote on everything today and that that aligns with what I want as well. Um, I will imply that I am the Undertaker without actually saying it. Okay. So you're going to be nice to your butler. Oh, I'm going to be very nice to the butler. I want to kill literally anybody. I don't care who dies in this situation. Like, it really... <laughs> it, it. This is one of those interesting Grimm's, Emma, where I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I can probably... I can probably try to carry a substantial amount of this, at least into the mid-late game, without really needing my minions to do a whole lot. Which is good, because they have very little ability to affect the board they've already kind of done their things the spy can you know be seen as things and register as things and that's helpful but the, the spy's never getting an empath ping on the the spy's never gonna be useful with the empath 
right? Because the empath's already drunk, and we're not killing me to get the empath next to the spy. Uh, the the fortune teller's got a red herring. The spy can't ping as a fortune teller red herring, but there's three people on the board right now who can all ping as a yes for the fortune teller. Um, so that's me, the recluse, and the raven keeper, um, the red herring. Um, and nobody else really does anything active except for the slayer. So right now the priority is basically to get through today and get into the night, and I'm not too worried about what the team is doing. Okay. All right, you get back. You now have... When you get back, you have ping requests from seat five and seat eight. Uh, I'll take. Um, if I have if I have both, I'll probably take the. I'll probably take the fortune teller. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably take seat eight. I, the baron can the baron can do their own thing for a while. They don't necessarily need me. Yeah. All right. The fortune teller. They tell you they saw you as the scarlet. I tell them that I'm not the Scarlet... Wait, the fortune teller tells me that they saw me as the Scarlet Woman. Oh. <laughs> the fortune teller fluffing and investigator. Uh, sure, I'll tell them I'm not the Scarlet Woman. Uh, and so that's not that's not good information. I'll ask who the other person they saw was. Uh, they say it's seat two. I say must must be them. Probably should, probably should talk to them. It's not me. I'm a powerful townsfolk role. Do you, do you tell them you're a powerful townsfolk role? Of course I do. Uh, okay. You get gonged back to town. Alright, back in town. Yeah. Uh, seat 8 immediately nominates you when nominations open. Sure. Uh, they say that they're the investigator with a ping on you as the Scarlet Woman. What's your defense? Uh, I say I have heard of another investigator, and I'm not the Scarlet Woman, and that my role is somewhat useful to keep around. Um, okay. The reason I'm going to do that is because, first of all, I'm now telling the Baron that they're getting the investigator bluff, basically. <laughs> Hopefully they were listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them that bluff at some point in this game, potentially. Um, so... Hopefully they'll want that, or they can, or they can claim to be the mayor. They can do whatever the heck they want. I don't really care, but I need to say that I've heard of a different investigator, and so I can always throw the Baron under the bus later. Um, I'm not gonna make a big show about what my ability is. I'm not gonna say a whole lot about myself. I I would be okay to do it, but there's no reason to do it right now, and a good player probably wouldn't in this situation. It's the first nomination on the first day. I really don't have to say a lot. I just deny what they're accusing me of by saying. Look, I'm not the Scarlet Woman. Your information's wrong. Also, there's two people in investigator pings, so maybe you should point at the other one, and um, just generally say that yeah, the information's probably wrong. Uh, seat four pipes up in your defense. They say they have reason to believe you're good. Oh, how nice! Uh, as Hard the vote gets around, it's four votes when it gets to the butler. Do you raise your hand for them? Yes. Okay. They keep their hand down. I said I would. And I'm fine to do that, right? I mean, if he votes on if he votes on me on my on my ability to vote, right? I mean, I'm giving him the ability to vote, so me putting my hand up makes me look good. He he takes the hint and doesn't vote. Okay, good enough. Yeah. You survived the day. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> uh, is there anyone you want to push on? Um, I might push on. I might push back on seat eight a little bit, just because like they're being very aggressive with this. But I'd probably leave that to other people to do at this point. Uh, I could push on. Um, I could push on seat twelve, um, but I haven't really got information to push on them with. If 
if I don't get nommed, uh, if, if you know, if I don't if I don't go on the block, uh, as we said, and nobody else is kind of getting nommed or pushed on, I might throw an I might throw a nom out there on seat twelve. Um, but more likely, I'll just kill them in the night. And so I probably just throw a nom on like seat nine or seat ten. All right. Uh, your Baron nominates the Virgin. Okay, great, great job, Baron. Uh, they act surprised and shocked that they're not dead. What a surprise! <laughs> uh, are you happy with this? It's okay. Um, we've expended the ability. The Baron's getting thrown under the bus at some point, almost certainly. Anyway, um, this is this is what Barons do best. Baron, I, I should probably say at this point in the conversation, Baron is my favorite role in Blood on the Clock Tower. Um, that's for a couple of reasons. The first is when you come into a game and you see the Baron token, you know that you've already done your thing. Like you've already disrupted town simply by adding two outsiders. And while that can create confirmations and while that can create situations that can be difficult for the evil team to navigate, having two less good, strong townsfolk information, ability, whatever roles is just always good. It's just always good. And the second part is barons can freelance. They can do a lot of things, right? The baron can nominate a virgin and then go, I don't know why I didn't affect the, you know, a, a proc the virgin, you know? They can pretend to just double claim someone. Like they could literally just double claim a powerful townsfolk role from day, day one and put bad information out. Like there's a lot of things that a baron can do just on their own. You don't really need to handhold a baron too much. Are you gonna vote on this virgin nomination? Uh. Probably yes. Um, it'll look. It'll depend on what it looks like when it gets to me. I'm a little late in this vote. Um, if it's early in the vote, almost certainly, because an unprocked virgin is not going to be trusted and uh, is probably not going to get killed anytime in the early game. So town should generally want them out. Um, on the other hand, if I'm late in the vote, I don't necessarily want to be the deciding vote on it. Um, but yeah, if 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 I'm if I'm late in the vote, Let's like I am right here. Let's make this spicy. It's five votes when it gets to you. Your butler voted. You had, you had to put up your hand. Oh, I put, your oh no, I put up my hand for my butler. I have to leave my hand up. That's right. I said I was keeping my hand up for the butler, and I will say that. I will also say I'm keeping my hand up for a butler if someone if someone challenges me on it. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep my hand. The virgin up. goes on the block. It's good. Good for me. Uh, they get executed and die. You go to sleep. Excellent. All right. We're just we're just gonna run night one. We're not we're sure, night two. Sure. We're not gonna do anything more. Um, what's your kill on the spot, Grim? Um, this is a this is a tricky one. So a spy grim is always something you need to think about, right? Um, you know the best order to kill things in. Um, or you know you know what the abilities are, I should say, and so you need to think about the best order to kill things. I'm not killing the fortune teller. Let's just let's just start with the let's just start with the things we talked about in the previous game, and let's just talk about some of the more powerful roles. Um, the most powerful person on this on this grim is the fortune teller in terms of the amount of information they can get. But as I mentioned, they've got a red herring on the raven keeper that's sitting next to them. They can ping me, and they can ping the recluse. So there's a lot of places for them to get misinformation. So there's really no rush to kill off the fortune teller. And they already seem to have checked you, right? Yeah, they've they've done something with me. So regardless of you know what they've what they've seen me as, um, I don't really need to do a whole lot else. Plus, I was checked allegedly alongside of seat two, who's probably going to come out as the recluse at some point. So that clears me up a little bit as well. 
we talked about killing the Raven Keeper early in the last game, but here the Raven Keeper is a red herring, so there's no reason to give that kill at this point, right? The red herring is is going to be useful to me more than the killing the Raven Keeper and letting them see something is. The Empath's drunk and confirming me. Um, if the Empath... It depends on how loudly the Empath was talking about confirming me, or, or like that they think I'm good. Um, if, if they're loud enough that it looks like they might be a... Uh, if they're loud enough that it looks like they might be a um, uh, uh, an empath, I might kill them. But here they're giving a zero on me, who's good, and on the, the Baron, who is probably going to look pretty evil really soon, um, and who we're going to kill tomorrow. So I'll just leave the drunk empath alive. There's no real reason to mess with them. At some point, we're going to have to kill some outsiders, but we're not going to kill the saint yet. We're not going to kill the recluse yet, because they can still you know ping off of stuff for the fortune teller. Um, the saint could still be useful to me later. The washerwoman, I don't know who the washerwoman's confirming, but killing the washerwoman that's confirming someone makes them look much more good. So I just assume, oh, I do know who they're confirming. They're confirming the empath. Um, yeah, or the spy as something. Or, or the spy as something, but I don't know which of those things it is. Yeah, the spy didn't know what they were confirming yeah. them as, just that they had seen them in the empath. Yeah, the, the more likely situation here from me as a storyteller is probably that the empath, that they were both shown as the empath, to hide the drunk that's that seems like a very storyteller thing to do um, the most dangerous player on this board to me right now is actually the slayer uh, because the slayer just has to get lucky and hit me and so i'm actually probably killing the slayer who's in seat 12 at this point um i could you go worried about outing player. that as a, you're are you worried that people will read that as spy slayer? possible but slayers you know, with an empath and a fortune teller on the grim that are going to come out later. Oh, and an undertaker, by the way, of course. Um, killing a slayer doesn't look a whole lot like a spy kill in this situation. Um, a slayer's only the most valuable thing to kill here if you know that the empath is drunk, if you know that the fortune teller has, you know, three people that can ping for them, um, if, you, if you know that that disinformation exists. So probably we kill the slayer, we then kill an outsider on the next night, and then maybe we go for the fortune teller on the third or fourth night. Okay. There's one other decision, of course, you have to make this night. Yes. You're doing an Undertaker buff. That's right. Who Town executed yesterday. Town executed the Virgin yesterday. You're going to confirm them. I'm going to think about it for a minute um, and probably confirm them. Um, I There's no reason not to confirm the Virgin. Uh, especially on the first night. If the Virgin's an evil player, then I'm getting poisoned, uh, potentially. I could be the drunk. I think I just show them as the Virgin. It throws the Baron under the bus a little bit, but again, that gets Town killing in the opposite direction from me for the Empath, which I think is pretty good. It is a little odd, the Empath getting a zero on the Baron. They could be the spy. Like, there's a lot of things you can kind of kind of infer. But I think, mm -hmm. that, I think that principally here, there's no reason for me not to just go to the Virgin and say, look, I saw you as the Virgin. I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's a poisoner in play. So that's your inclination right now. It's to confirm the virgin. Yeah, I mean, the other way to go would be to say I see a drunk. Okay. You know, and I don't know if the spy is on the same page. If the spy is librarian showing a drunk, uh, they I think they said they were showing a drunk elsewhere. But um, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, we just aren't aligned. Any interest in claim that the virgin was an evil player? I mean, there's a there's a there's a little bit, but boy, does that draw a lot of attention to me right off the bat, right? Like, I'm trying to get four days, three four days into this game, and then make a decision about passing to the spy. 
um, is kind of where I'm at. Because the Librarian Bluff's going to be able to go further, potentially, than than me with Undertaker. Um, unless I'm really quiet about being the Undertaker, and then I'm more likely to get killed later. It's very situational. Like, if I end up getting forced to go, look, I'm the Undertaker, don't kill me, you know, then it's very different than, than you know, kind of being able to hide that and get into the late and go, hey, I'm the Undertaker, here's all the stuff I have. I think, no, I think having one player who believes that I'm the Undertaker, um, or at least has a reason to believe that I'm the Undertaker, is more valuable to me right now than making it look like an evil is dead on day one. Okay. Just, just those are my reasonable. thoughts. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I think it's all right. Yeah, it's interesting to make these decisions with the Grim too. Uh, it's interesting, right, it's interesting yeah. <laughs> to think about a path where I went down, or the, the, the way that I went down a path without getting this Grimoire, right? Before I, before I started making these choices. Um, but again, you don't know that you talk to your spy first every time you know that there, there's a spy in the game. Uh, here, I just prioritized going to a minion because I figured, based on the, based on the bluffs, that I had a spy who was going to give me information. Your storyteller is using your bluffs to tell you something. It doesn't mean you have to go with the story your storyteller wants you to sell, but they are using your bluffs to tell you something. This is something I think evil. I see evil teams mess up a lot. Is they don't is they look at their bluffs and they don't realize how they're working together. Yeah, bluffs bluffs are there to give you information. I think a really crucial thing is that we we call them bluffs, but the demon learns out of play characters and learning out-of-play characters isn't necessarily so that you can just say that you are those characters. It's helpful for that, certainly, but it can also be to let you know, hey, there's no virgin in this game. You can nominate freely on day one. You don't have to worry about accidentally hitting the virgin on day one. Or, right. hey, I... there's 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 no Ravenkeeper in this game. Kill away, my friend. And uh, I don't think, knowing you very well, that you're normally a player who's going to run off the top tier minions as the demon. No. There's lots of risks to that. That you only, I assume, only took that because you had the Undertaker bluff. The only reason I would do that is with the Undertaker bluff. If I didn't have the Undertaker bluff, I would have gone to seat four first. It wouldn't even mm -hmm. have been a question. I'm not in a rush to go talk to my minions. Why? What are they going to tell me? They need me. I don't need them. <laughs> you know, like they don't. Well, no. I mean, they need me to give them bluffs, right? That's why minions come to the demon on day one. They come to the demon on day one to find out, especially in Trouble Brewing, where you know it's just an imp, right? You you just know it's an imp. Um, so the minions are coming to you to get bluffs. They're they're not coming to coordinate kills. They're not coming to share information. If they want to talk to you first, go get some information. Go find out some claims from people. Come talk to me later in the day or come talk to me at the beginning of day two when we can actually strategize and do something here. Because there's really no reason to just have a conversation where you tell me, hey, I'm the poisoner. What are the bluffs? And I go, hey, you can be the investigator or the mayor. Bye. Yeah, you want to coordinate with them later once you know what know enough about the Grim to come up with a plan. Yeah, I mean that's not gonna be in every game, right? In custom scripts and some advanced scripts, you really need to coordinate um, things early on, right? You might have a demon like Lomonsta where you really need to talk to each other and figure out, you know, what the plan is going to be. But it's not necessarily always worth evil talking to each other quickly. You wanna get some information so that you can share it with each other. Some of the some of the really good evil play that you see on streams often comes when the players have gone out and gotten some other claims, and then they come back together on day two or day three and go, Hey, this is what I think is look this is what I think the Grim is looking like right now. This is the information that I have, this is what I've done. What do you got going on? And that makes a much more interesting conversation than going back to town after twenty seconds of giving bluffs and telling each other that, yeah, I'm the poisoner. Exactly. 
so I think it's useful to think about the various different ways in which um, bluffs can communicate information. It can, you know, a bluff can give you something to lie that you are and that you are certain is not in play. That's good for the that's good for the demon, right? The demon really needs that. The Scarlet Woman probably needs that. One of the minions probably needs that. But a spy already knows. A baron can do whatever they want, you know, almost is better off double claiming a powerful townsfolk role. You kind of got a 50-50 that you get that person, you know, killed. So so really, unless you're a role that needs to last late in the game, like the demon Scarlet Woman, you don't really need a bluff. Pick something, run with it. Yeah, not the worst thing in the world. Not the All worst right. thing in the world. Well, so, C12 dies, we wake up, the game continues. We're not going to run through these entire games. No, that no, that would be a lot. A bit over the top. Yeah. But I think I think this I think this demonstrates just how um, you know we sort of both took a little different of an angle on it. Um, but I think this demonstrates how players who have a lot of experience or who have done a lot of storytelling can look at a grim, can look at information, and start to piece together things really, really quickly. Um, even without just having sort of hard claims, even without obviously you know we we curated these to an extent to make it interesting you know to talk about them, um, but you could do the same thing with many grims just mm -hmm. just from whatever position you're in and what claims you have, how what level of trust you have for those claims, and that's the kind of kind of conversation that we have often you know behind the scenes when we're not you know running a game. Um, that's the kind of conversation Emma and I have often about what players are doing in a game, what we would do in a game, and what we think is, you know, the, the kind of interesting way of dissecting the information that you have. Obviously, when you only have eight-minute days or seven-minute days or six-minute days, you know, it's a lot harder to get all this thinking in, you know, that, that's taken us an hour to do. But I think it's still worth understanding that thought process, especially for newer players who are kind of, you know, maybe just you know, kind of 20, 30 games into Blood on the Clock Tower, where now you're getting into the point where you're playing more custom scripts, you know, you've you've pulled an evil token a few times, you've pulled good tokens a few times, you kind of have the basics down, and you're trying to start to understand, okay, how do players make these choices? How is it that, you know, Milk or Emma can get away with, you know, these different kinds of plays that they try to do? Um, or any other, you know, any other great players out in the community? Yeah. Well, I think we had only planned to do two Grims today, but how, much, right. how long have we been on air, Milk? Uh, we are 55 minutes. Do you want to do you want to go one more, or what do you want? Um, we could cut here and then maybe try try another try another session. Yeah, let, let's go to a cut screen and then let's. I think maybe we try one more thing. Let's try one more thing. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go away for about a minute and then we'll be back.
All right, everybody. So we thought we'd just do... We did two kind of early game uh, scenarios, and we thought we'd just jump to kind of the end of the scenario that we were in, uh, that Emma was uh, running for me here, um, and just talk about an end game situation. So, um, Emma, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. So this is the end game situation. Everyone's been killed, mostly. You're, you're the last one standing on your evil team. Um, most of the townsfolk are dead. What's left is the fortune teller, the raven keeper, and the saint. The most recent execution was on the washerwoman. So you have two choices again to make tonight. One is, which one of these three people do you not want in final three? And two is, what were you going to say was up with the washerwoman who confirmed the drunk empath? So the washerwoman confirmed the drunk empath? Yeah. As being, the, people, as being the empath? The fortune teller has been hot on you all game. They've gotten yeses on the raven keeper and the recluse, but they're still focused on you. Of course. They're. And that's and they are saying the washerwoman must have been drunk because there's no way that an empath was sat next to you. Must must be Ryback. So you have to make these two final decisions. Your final kill and what you're gonna say the washerwoman was saying as when you undertook them. Uh so I'm very likely here, given what you just said to me, I'm very likely to think about strongly showing the washerwoman as the washerwoman. Okay. Confirming the empath makes me look good, which is good. Um, it makes the barren situation maybe a little awkward for the empath, but they could have been poisoned one day. I assume the town hasn't figured out there's a spy in play um, based on the order of the kills. Um, so I can probably show the washerwoman as the washerwoman. I could show them as the drunk, which might show seat eight specifically, throw the fortune teller for a loop and make them kind of confused as to why I wouldn't make someone look drunk that's like make someone look evil that's confirming me but that's a deeper social play that i would need to know the player um and i'd be playing the player not the not the grim at that point so i'll show the washerwoman as i'll show the washer let's imagine we're at a con you don't know these yeah players. i'll show the it's washerwoman as the washerwoman i'm just gonna i'm just gonna lean into my i'm gonna lean into my bluff pretty hard now um so i'm gonna show the washerwoman as the washerwoman confirm it to them um it's great if they haven't outed because i can just publicly say that in town and say look i saw you as the washerwoman i'm the undertaker it's the final day uh, no problem uh the spy showed uh the spy showed a drunk which means that the saint is probably confirmed by outsider count I know a lot of players, a lot of evil players, especially in this situation, would maybe consider leaving the saint out. Saints do look suspicious late into games sometimes, um, but I don't need the saint's alternate win condition anymore because anyone who dies that isn't me wins the game for me. So I don't need to worry about that. Um, the fortune teller who's been pushing on me all game is probably my frame. Like, they're the person I need to frame in this game, or I have to make them look like the drunk, or I have to make it look like it's just the Raven Keeper who's also in their information. So my best approach here is going to be show the washerwoman as the washerwoman, confirm the empath, make myself look good, kill the saint. Are you at all concerned that the fortune teller is just so socially trusting that the Raven Keeper despite having a yes on them? It's odd you know, that they would be. Um, they were probably in a role swap earlier in the game. Um, but again, that doesn't hurt me that bad because I can sell that to town uh, with the words, I'm probably the only good player left alive, right? I can probably say, I think I'm the only good player left alive. I think they're evil together. I don't know why seat eight is 
putting a yes ping on seat seven, but they've pushed on me the entire game. I've proven myself over and over again to be the undertaker. I've, I've told people their roles. Um, you know, you can think I'm the, I guess you can think I'm the spy in this world. I guess you can maybe think I'm the spy that caught a star pass in this world, but thinking that I'm the starting imp doesn't work because I've, I've called people's information. So you kill C10 and you kill the Saint. I kill C10. Yeah, 100%. The Saint's going here. I don't want a... I don't want something that's confirmable by outsider count left over. This this just makes it look like there was a drunk somewhere. It might be the fortune teller. The fortune teller can be the drunk, right? Uh, it might be, you know, anybody else around the ground. Maybe it was the maybe it was the Baron, you know, who who hit the Virgin and didn't didn't have good investigator slash mayor information, whatever was going on, whatever they decided to claim in the end. You know, we can always just say that they're we can always just say that they're the that they're the drunk. We may have already said that. We may have already pointed to them as the drunk earlier in the game. Yeah, the spy may have switched the Baron or the Virgin to the drunk. Yeah, who knows what the spy gave out as information, you know, what was reliable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, they were planning to put it on the Slayer or the Fortune Teller, but maybe they changed their mind after the Baron on the Virgin. Yep. Who knows? Perfectly, use perfectly acceptable change. Perfectly useful as long as they haven't shared that information out with a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really interesting situation. Now, I don't know if I get through Final Day here. I don't know what, you know, again, Final Day is a lot about social reads. It's a lot about people believing what you're selling and uh you know comparing your story to others but with the fortune teller pushing on me so aggressively throughout the entire game i can probably sell that as them being more likely to be evil than me right you you have that going for you You have this weird bond between the fortune teller and the raven keeper even though the raven keeper could be evil in the fortune teller's eyes but... yeah i mean the thing is it doesn't really matter that there's two of them versus one of me i need to get dead people to vote on them right i need mm -hmm. to make the dead believe hey this is a this is a game that you're going to lose because two evils are still left alive at the end of the game. All right. Seems pretty interesting. I like this, Emma. This is a lot of fun. I think we're I think we're gonna have a lot of fun going through these. So. And I think we hit about an hour. So yeah, we, we hit about an hour. Perfectly. Um, so I think we should tell everybody. You know, we're planning on doing this every week. We're planning on having one of these pre-recorded every week. Uh, we may do some live ones eventually, um, but uh, we're planning on going through TB. Uh, today, obviously, this was our first first episode, so we're doing TB. Uh, we're going to do S&V, I think, the next time. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do some BMR Grims uh, the time after that. And then we're really hoping that some of you have encountered some challenging situations in your games. And as you encounter those challenging situations, take a little, take a little screenshot. Show us what you knew. Show us what happened in the end. And we'll see if we can try to maybe talk our way through some strategy that benefits you in real life situations, whether they're yeah. base threes or customs. And if you, you know, if you want to send us a sex and violence for next week, send us a sex and violence. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't made one yet. <laughs> Me either. If you want to send us a BMR, that's probably going to be even more likely to be able to us to fit that in. But we're willing and ready to take submissions to Olympic Rooms. Yeah, we're we're really excited to keep doing this, and and we hope you guys enjoyed it. It's a bit of fun for us, but uh, but it, hopefully you know you learn stuff, you know, and you get a chance to hear storytellers talk through the kind of things that, that we talk through in the night phases, and the kinds of things we talk to each other about after games, you know. So mm -hmm. pretty fun. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks Emma. I hope you enjoyed this grim scenario. Bye.